All right, we're back on another podcast today, and we're continuing on with talking to local business owners throughout the state of Michigan, but then through across the nation and across the pond to learn a little bit more about their individual businesses specifically, because I think all businesses are very interesting, um, no matter what you're doing, how digital is impacting your business in some way, shape, or form. Um, but more importantly, what's been going on during the pan- pandemic, since this is something that all of us have been, I don't know, I guess we've been impacted in so many ways. I'm looking for some bigger, better words. Um, but we're going to be talking to a excellent uh, individual, someone that I've had a, a friendship with for, well, maybe a a half dozen plus years now, um, but he's been um, kind of instrumental and in, um, an entourage of people that I, uh, you know, talk to and go out and uh, I commiserate with on a regular basis. But I've gotten to know a little bit more about his business here in the Motor City in Detroit, Michigan, and how he um, conducts business. Um, but all the different changes that happen inside of there and how he utilizes some digital aspects and some different business processes in order to grow and, and, and move his business. And we've had some discussions in the past uh, couple of weeks. And I said, you know, hey, man, why don't you come on in for uh, a, a deeper conversation and let's talk about those things together. So um, awesome catering business. Used to have a restaurant here in the D and uh, obviously he loves this song. So we went ahead and set it up for his introduction. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Barry Winfrey, Blue Star Catering Detroit. Hello, Barry. Good afternoon, Mr. Dwight. How are you? As be- as awesome as we can be. We got some beautiful blue sky weather here in Detroit. Temperatures are starting to come back up together, which I think makes everybody happy, kind of itching. Although we're restricted with what we can still do here in this beautiful city. Um, but hey, Barry, thanks for taking some time out. I know you're starting to get busy again, too, in regards to your catering business. So... Um, tell us, I guess, tell all my friends, all my listeners out there a little bit more about what it is you do, how you make your, how you make your money and how you make a difference. Well, first of all, my pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me in. Um, I guess in a nutshell, I'm a corporate caterer, which basically doesn't exclude us from doing other types of catering, but we mainly focus on the business and industry sector. So we look to do work with accounting firms, law firms, nonprofit organizations, uh, industrial, construction companies, um, anything that's essentially Monday through Friday, 9 to 5. Um, we also do personal events such as graduations, showers, uh, weddings, house parties, and those types of things. But our main focus and our wheelhouse is really geared at corporate entertainment, corporate events, cocktail parties, uh, special functions, training sessions, uh, things along those lines. I understand. And and just to validate it, too, for the listener audience, um, this is not something that's just a regular, uh, you know, pick up from the doorstop type of uh, a business. Obviously, it's just not a small graduation party, but these are larger and residual types of businesses that you have relationships with. Is that correct? Uh, somewhat. I mean, we do a little bit of both. <clears throat> For our regular, excuse me, for our regular clients, um, you know, we do events large and small. We do simple drop-offs to uh, very ornate, planned-out, uh, uh, large-scale sure. events. Um, you know, with all types of AV and equipment rentals and 
you know, bar service, the whole nine yards. Yeah. So um, we can provide uh, everything from the simplest of, of meads uh, all the way up to, um, you know, very large functions. Now, Barry, you've been established in the business here for quite a while now. Um, tell us a little bit about the history so everybody gets an understanding. This wasn't just a an idea you had just, you know, two years ago and said, you know what, I'm a good cook. I'm going to go ahead and start cooking for some people and uh, delivering them some meals. I mean, you've made a, a pretty good substantial um, investment in your life out of doing this. It's you got to have some passion behind it. Well, uh, I guess a short version might be, uh, you know, one of my first jobs out of high school was at a restaurant in downtown Detroit. And we had an opportunity from that restaurant to do catering for, uh, again, uh, law firms, accounting firms. Um, and going back, probably uh, one of our first customers um, was uh, Honigman, which is uh, the largest law firm in our area. So we're going back to 1987. Um, my career took me in a couple of different directions. I actually went to work for uh, Boston Market when it uh, first came into Detroit okay. and as it was a growing company. Uh, and I spent some time there and then I actually, uh, got back into, uh, private ownership with the people that I used to work for <laughs> almost directly out of high school. Uh, we, we joined together and we opened up, uh, uh, a restaurant in Southfield. We opened up a coffee shop. We had a consulting business, uh, another restaurant in Southfield. So we, uh, as, uh, as a group, the three of us, um, we kind of grew things from there. And then uh, we split up. I went out on my own and uh, essentially started Blue Star uh, back in 2007 uh, as a restaurant downtown Detroit, Blue Star Cafe. So about 13 years uh, ago? Yeah, yeah. And then uh, from that, um, you know, I was able to reconnect with customers from <laughs> my history, believe it or not, back in the 80s. Honigman was one of my first customers as going out on business on my own. Um, and then it kind of grew from there. Um you know, taking on one catering customer at a time, uh, along with our daily business, which was a cafeteria-style restaurant, um, mostly focused on comfort food uh, of all nationalities, and uh, open Monday through Friday, 7 to 3. So we did a breakfast spread, and then we did a lunch spread where you could come in, you could pick your entree, pick your side dishes. Um, you know, it was very economical for the uh, downtown business lunch crowd. Sure, sure. So you had a lot of success with that as well. What has, so are you still have the restaurant now or that you were doing the catering and doing catering outside of the restaurant at that time? The restaurant is closed uh, as of uh, the end of 2017. Okay. Um, the building, the office building that we were in was uh, purchased by, uh, well, was sold. And okay. the new ownership decided to go in a different direction. Okay, yeah, that's uh, what I was so, going to ask. Uh, <laughs> For me, um, you know, uh, we would have had to spend some time away from the building anyway uh, on a, on a uh, temporary basis. And during that time, um, you know, I learned that really what I love to do is on the catering side as opposed to the storefront side. Sure. And, um, you know, my customers definitely uh, 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 must have recognized what we were doing because uh, our business grew. Uh, and, and for the past two years, we have exceeded what we ever did when we were doing both the restaurant and the catering. Sure. So, so it's gotten bigger and better as time's gone by. So as, yeah, as things have, have, has gone by, you found that you have a more 
deeper interest in the, I guess, the business carrying aspect of it got kind of away from the brick and mortar of a number of reasons. So it probably could have been actually the best time for that to happen to kind of force you into making that decision. So there's a modification of like uh, as your business as a whole that it had to basically at a fork in the road. You decided to go and say, you know, this is kind of my passion. It's what I'm hearing. And that the corporate end of things is where you said, you know what, I've got a little bit more happiness in this and uh, I think I can make something more out of it. Absolutely. You know, sometimes that fork in the road, I think we're all at one right now. Yeah, uh, but, yeah uh, absolutely. Sometimes that fork in the road, it doesn't feel so good when it's happening. But when you look back at it down the line, typically, yeah. uh, you know, it ends up working out uh, better in the long run. Yeah, hindsight's always twenty twenty. So getting into this now, let's talk a little bit more about the pandemic and how these modifications have happened, because that's been a hot topic all over the place as far as what is going on, how are businesses going to handle things like this? We got PPPs, we got uh, IDLs, we've got SBAs, we've got all these things that are happening. Money's being thrown at business owners to take advantage of doing these things. And there's a lot of hooks and there's a lot of, from what I'm understanding too, a lot of cloudiness and gray area of how these things could be done. Um, as of today, unemployment numbers came out nationwide. We're currently riding just under 39 million people on unemployment in the United States. Um, they're getting federal supplemental unemployment as well. So some people out there that are in some of these restaurants, like the one you used to own and whatnot, they're actually making more money sitting on unemployment, sitting at home than they would be going back to work, doing something. Um, where do you see your end of business? I'm, I'm going to assume also, too, you've been impacted as well with a lot of business having to shut down, a lot of people worrying about holding cash and doing things, and a lot of employees being forced to stay home and not operate inside of a business and, and have a life, um, or financial life, and support their family. How do you see this, I guess, all playing out? I mean, you've been going through this now like me for a little while. You obviously have your opinion in regards to what's been going on and We've got a little bit of runway to kind of gauge a little bit on how things have transpired. Well, I think uh, it's safe to say that uh, uh, I wish I knew exactly where this was going to go. Yeah, that's the million-dollar question uh, here. That's like the lottery numbers for (laughs) tomorrow. For sure, that is the million-dollar question. Uh, All we can do is, you know, make what we think are the best decisions for our business and uh, do our best to... Uh, move into the now normal and the future normal uh, the best way that we can. Um, you know, we're at a, an interesting part, an interesting uh, part in our history as far as the food service business because, you know, before this, uh, it was already tough to find people to work uh, and quality people. Um, now, why do you think that is? That, I mean, is it, uh, is it financially motivated? Uh, some of it's financial, you know, the margins in the restaurant business are pretty tight. So, you know, uh, in any business, people typically feel like they should make more than they're actually making. Yeah, that's in any business. Uh, but why do so many people want to open up all these restaurants? I mean, how do you, how do people come up with this idea? I think we've had some conversations about this in the past. I don't know shit about running a food operations business, brick and mortar based, or, you know, catering for that matter. Um, I have... No, I mean, I'm pretty good on a grill, but I have no intention to be like, you know what, my, my grandmother's recipes are pretty good. I should just open up a restaurant and do that shit. I mean, that's got to be a common misconception or I have all these food shows and everything really driven that up because correct me if I'm wrong, but we've seen a pretty big insurgence of restaurants and new creations of things growing here inside of Detroit Metro or the, the Tri-County area. And a lot of those have also closed down in the past couple of years. They've come and gone pretty quick. 
Yes, they have. And I think you'll see a lot more of that uh, coming out of this pandemic shutdown. Uh, as far as a lot of those onesie twosies or those crafty well, creations closing? Have, well, the, the restaurants that have rushed to, you know, get in on the resurgence of Detroit, you know, uh, rushed to open something up, you know, and then, um, you know, getting slapped right in the middle of all this with a shutdown, you know, they won't be able to survive. I mean, it's going to change, uh, you know, this is going to change the, the fabric of our, you know, kind of hotspot communities where these restaurants are going. You know, downtown is going to take many, many years to recover from this, uh, uh, more so than the suburbs will. You know, people will go to the local tavern a lot faster than they're going to make a special trip downtown to go to a high-priced, you know, restaurant just because it's the new hot thing. Yeah, well, um, and, and, and for, for, you know, for quality fact, qualification factors here, in Detroit, which a lot of people don't know outside of this state or haven't been here in a while, there has been a resurgence downtown. It, in my opinion, it's a little bit more clustered in the very downtown area. There's been kind of a failed uh, M1 rail that was supposed to go up and down a major thoroughfare from long ago, Woodward Avenue. Um, new, th- we have we have a new stadium for the, the Detroit Red Wings, Little Caesars Arena, and then you've got Comerica Park. You got the Fox Theater. You've got this, kind of, and, and of course Ford Field for the Detroit Lions. But that's all clustered together within uh, what would you say a square mile or so. Mile and a half, maybe. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you yeah, know, so yeah, it's like, and they're off the main uh, freeway, so a lot of people will come down, and they'll spend, you know, a couple hours and a couple hundred bucks, and and you know, go back to their suburbs. So there hasn't been this huge resurgence. There's been an interest in doing. There's been a lot of money that's gone into a lot of popularity and everything, but I don't know that it's going to stand the test of time. I've never really bought into it myself. Um, there's just too much to fix in regards to that. And there's a lot of those restaurants, like we were just discussing, that have been popping up all over the place. Barry, going back right. to the catering aspect, out of this pandemic and everything now, too, obviously you've had some time since you can't, obviously, uh, even with the face mask and gloves and a face shield and, and a hazmat suit, serve people and food. It's just not legal to do that right now. Well, there's argument in, get, in regards to that, but our governor has said you can't do these things. You've had a lot of time to think about this. Where are you at now getting back into the catering end of your business and what have been your thoughts um, and then I kind of want to segue into it. How do you feel that interaction with online is going to help propel that? Is it a part of your plan and whatnot? Well, um, well, for us and what we're doing, <laughs> throwing, a, throwing a lot at you there. Sorry, but, uh, yeah, thanks. It's important. It's an important <laughs> well, question. You know, uh, yeah, for, for us, uh, certainly we're going to do everything we can. I think one thing people don't realize about the restaurant industry is you always, you already have to go through a lot of training and a lot of follow-up training and inspection for, um, you know, how you handle things from a health perspective. So, you know, there's, there's gloves involved in the process already. We don't necessarily typically use face masks, but we will in the new normal in order to make sure that we're doing everything we can to keep things safe. We already have antibacterial soaps and handy at every station. There's multiple stations in a typical commercial kitchen. Uh, we already have hand sanitizer, um, you know, placed throughout the kitchen. So some of these things are going to be pretty easy to transition to. Um, but isn't that going to kind of look we'll cheesy ever... as well? I mean, are you just going to have the Clorox wipes in the regular containers sitting over by the chafing dishes? Or is that now do you have to take steps into like refilling them and putting them into more appropriate matching nice looking because it's about presentation as well 
Well, it, we're probably a ways off from where we're going to have any type of buffet line that people are going to want to utilize. Yeah, sure. Uh, I think the trend for some time is going to be toward individual, individually packaged items and meals, whether it's for breakfast, lunch, dinner, parties, you know, individually wrapped type things. Um, I know there'll be a lot more server engagement on events because, you know, you'll have to have someone responsible to pass out items as opposed to people being able to go up to a, say a fruit table, for instance, to help themselves or a dessert station, that type of thing. So, um, but a, a presentation always comes into play no matter what it is. So whether you're putting a box of tissues on the counter or napkins or, you know, now sanitizer, uh, possibly uh, gloves for customers to use, you know, certainly there's going to be creative and innovative ways to uh, present those things so that they kind of feel part of the, you know, now, part of the package and part of the display. Now for our listening audience too, Barry is a little bit more on, I want to say on the more higher end, um, definitely presentation wise as a, as an individual, but I think in the way his disposition and how he presents himself to clients and to people. And I've definitely been uh, preview to eat some of his food, which is great, but I've been part of that as well in, in a presentation sense. And it's very, very highly professional in regards to doing things there. What is the talk that's going around there in, in terms of your industry in, in meeting those needs and exceeding those at, at, in a cost-effective manner, number one? But what about as far as talent and people coming back? Because let's, let's be honest, I mean, um, it's not five-star types of meals that are doing the catering like a Detroit Athletic Club or someplace like that where they have a yield of a $40,000-plus staff member. Um, the type of uh, employees that are facilitating these things are just not on the higher end of the pay scale. Right. Absolutely. Uh, you know, again, going back to the, the, the staffing portion of this, you know, I, I think it's going to be tough probably until the, uh, the state subsidy for unemployment comes to an end. Uh, that's going to be a big uh, barrier. So if that happens at the end of July, like uh, it's supposed to, yeah, or the whether they extend it, um, it's going to be tough to get a lot of people, not all people, but it's going to be tough to get a lot of people to come out of hibernation when clearly they're going to make more money sitting at home than they will actually working. Uh, I think in the long run, once all of that shakes out, I think uh, there'll be some people that flee the industry naturally just because, of course. Uh, again, you know, some people can't handle change. And that, you know, is everybody from owners, you know, onto employees and team members. So, uh, there's going to be people that flee the industry, but I think when it's all said and done, I think there'll be a, a typically a, a better quality employee. And I think, you know, the owners that do survive and the organizations that do survive are going to be more invested in training than ever and more invested in direct follow-up than ever, um, which is something that's lacking in our business. And, you know, that's something that goes back to one of the original questions is to, you know, why do you think people open rush to open restaurants? Well, you know, it's, it's something cool. It's something fun. It can be very satisfying. Clearly, television glamorizes it in a yeah. lot of different ways, especially with the Food Channel. And but it's a lot of work. Related uh, programming. It's a lot of work. It's I mean, a lot of work that people don't see. Even pre, of, uh, pre-pandemic, it was a lot of work. And the margins oh. <laughs> can be good, but they can also be tough as well. Yeah. There's a lot of competition yeah. that's yeah. out there. Yeah, you really have to have uh, an amazing idea, an amazing niche, and an amazing work ethic to, you know, get any type of food service business to work these days. And I'm not blowing my own horn. It's 
you know, it's something that's been cultivated over, you know, 30 years, basically, uh, being in the business every day, never taking, you know, other than a weekend, never taking a day off. So, um, you know, it, there's a lot, there's a glamour side that's projected. Uh, it's just like anything else. You know, everybody that goes to Las Vegas is going to win money. Everybody that jumps in the stock market is going to be a millionaire. Everybody, you know, sure. and, and the reality is, is that's not true. Yeah, you it's know, hard it's fucking work. for the restaurant business. And yep. just because you have an idea and just because you have money behind that idea doesn't mean that you're going to be successful. All right. And so certainly go ahead. No, no, but going to, going back to the food end of things with the pandemic. So one yep. of the big things that yep. happened here in the state and across multiple States was curbside or carry out delivery only. So that gave businesses the opportunity to still stay open, make a third or less of what they normally did. I, I haven't heard any success stories out of it, but that brought into a, I guess there was more of an aspect now that there was a reliance on what you had on your website, visibility, but then also third-party delivery apps and those businesses as well. Um, There's a recent story that came out uh, about aspects with DoorDash and Grubhub and even Yelp of them scraping each other and listing services or businesses and pulling their menus down and then selling them up for, um, for offer for normal consumers and issues with that and whatnot. What has been your experience through the past couple of years when you originally had your, your cafe, your brick and mortar and your catering business and utilizing social media for your business? Well, I guess I'm looking to hear a little bit more on how that impacted your business. What was the barriers to entry for you? Was it the technicalities? Was it learning it? Was it staying on top of it? Understanding their algorithms and how they were giving you information, showing up places, where do you feel that there was success or lack thereof and, you know, loss of money in regards to playing into those and everything? And I want, I want to go back a little bit more to where the apps are today as well. But go ahead and touch base on some of that for me. Well, uh, from a, an online uh, usage and presence uh, point of view, I, you know, I'm not the best <laughs> to ask. Uh, certainly, um, we've been online since 2007, since we opened the restaurant. Uh, you know, put together a website that was rather inexpensive at the time, but seemed to be very effective. It kept us in touch with our clients. It, it uh, opened up avenues for new business. Uh, my particular business, um, I don't want to call it boutique, but I'm not looking to be the biggest on the block. Uh, I don't need to be in front of millions and millions of people every day, so that's not important to me. What is important is uh, staying in front of uh, my loyal customers, uh, the biggest part of my success, uh, as it relates to, uh, my relationship with customers is the repetitive business. So, you know, once we take on a client, we want to get to know them on a personal level and we want to grow our business, um, face to face and within the four walls. So, you know, while it's great, uh, when you get hits, uh, from, you know, the internet and people call you and, random people call you and so, so, so on and so forth. Um, the word of mouth, uh, uh, you know, advertising, uh, from one customer to another, or one referral to another, um, at least for my business yeah. has been phenomenal. And, uh, you know, certainly we have much better success rate with those customers as well. Now, all of that said, um, I don't discount how important it is to have that online presence. And for us, uh, you know, to the extent that I've used it uh, uh, and what I've used it for, which is probably uh, very little based on what's available to me, um, 
you know, it, it, it definitely is important. It definitely works out. Uh, it keeps me in touch with my uh, customers, you know, whether it's our Facebook page or whether it's uh, sending out menus through our website, that type of thing, especially when I had the brick and mortar, uh, we used to send out menus daily because uh, it was always changing. So, um, you know, and it, and it amazes me because even today, uh, two and a half years since we've been closed, we'll get an oddball customer out of the blue that will say, hey, where's the menu today? So they may not have thought about us uh, in a while, but uh, that, you know, that interaction uh, stuck with them. Uh, and they're still looking for us, even if they haven't been around or they haven't, you know, been into the restaurant for a long time. That's interesting. That's that's really interesting. Um, so there, there, you did help to you. I mean, you had to grow and experiment, dip your foot into the into the puddle of web and social media and digital, and it become more complementary. As I think you'd have to agree, now it is. It's pretty aligned there in a big way. However, it still doesn't seem that I'll ever forgive my. My, my political view here, but it'll never trump um, what traditional word of word of mouth and referral, that type of business and establishing those. So I'm hearing that as kind of a takeaway from a foundation with you is like, it's not going to replace those aspects of things for reviews and other aspects. Did you get a lot of those? Were you, um, you know, given opportunity to do advertising with like Yelp and other places and them seeding you, I'd have to imagine. Well, I've had uh, opportunities. I never did. I mean, there's lots of opinions out there on Yelp and some of those other review sites. Um, I actually had one incident with Yelp where I had to go and fight uh, a, a bogus review, and I actually won, which was exciting because I guess that doesn't happen very often. Huh. Uh, uh, so I, I've never really had a great, um, you know, I, again, I, because we don't have thousands and thousands of people walking through the lobby. Well, clearly no one's through the lobby anymore, but, you know, um, I think the reviews that we used to get on a smaller scale were definitely more targeted and more real. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of places out there that can end up with reviews that are kind of meaningless and don't really help one way or the other. Um, but um, again, not to sidetrack from your question, you know, I've had the opportunities to ad, advertise with Yelp and Google and anybody else that calls when I answer the phone. But, um, you know, like I said, I've kind of stayed away from it. Um, you know, one of my internal fears has always been to not grow beyond what you can actually provide your great customers. So, you know, if I'm committed to a particular company and I show them a certain level of, of quality and service, I don't want that quality and service to decline just because I'm chasing the Google dollars or I'm chasing the, uh, the Yelp dollars or I'm trying to sure. open up seven or eight different aspects of my business to try to maximize the dollar. It really is about the relationships in the business that the dollars will take care of themselves. So, I mean, going back now to the new apps and the door delivery and how the pandemic has really shifted focus over into those aspects there. What is your opinion in regards to those? And what are some of the stories you've heard in regards to people utilizing those to supplement their business or help them along? Well, I know it's extremely convenient and uh, I'm not a user. Uh, I can't say that I've never gotten delivery because obviously we've all got some sort of delivery, but I would be scared to death as a restaurant owner to pass my food into somebody else's hands before it gets to the customer without having that control. Uh, the other issue with, those third-party providers are the fees. And there's companies out there that charge up to 30% of your ticket um, Cuts in, in order margin. for them to market you. 
and, and delivers. So it cuts way into your margin. And, you know, there's ways around that. You know, there's, there's people that I've heard out there that have, you know, four or five, six different businesses registered on these sites. It's all coming from one kitchen. Uh, but they may have four or five different businesses on these sites, so it kind of increases their opportunity for exposure. Um, now, how it's working long term, how it's working today, I have no idea. But, um, you know, I think there's some ways around the system in order to, you know, uh, increase what you're getting from it. Um, at some point, it becomes, you know, if you, if you set it up right, it can be an incremental business. Yeah, Where and the, if you're paying 30% for incremental business, it doesn't kill you. Yeah. And, you know, that's a big flaw that's been fighting with small businesses and Google My Business uh, for quite a while with spamming inside of there. Even though with there's verification uh, processes to go through in order to get your business verified in Google's eyes, um, they still send out the postcards. We used to be, as a Google partner, as an agency, we could actually have an app that was on Android that's gone as of the first of the year or December. But I would be able to come to your business, stand there, geopoint, and then validate your business for you. So there's a lot of side deals going on in regards to that. There's a lot of ways to game that system in a lot in, 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 in so many aspects. And I think it's it's a there's a short term boost that you're going to get, but I think you're going to have a long-term deficit from doing tactics like that. So I was speaking earlier, um, I think it was a, a newsletter this week from the margins, and they talked about how Grubhub will actually go out and, and present to a business like you and say, advertise with us or whatever. But even if you don't do that or you never approach them, they actually end up um, scraping and reposting menus and business listings inside of their app to be for sale. So actually somebody learned about this. And in the article there, they talked about the fact that the gentleman charges $24 for a pizza. Um, but for one reason or another, DoorDash had them listed and the, their same pizza was only $16. So as an experiment, the business owner actually ordered uh, 10 pizzas from the pizzeria and had them delivered to a friend's house. And DoorDash delivered those and he paid 240 bucks for the pizza. Um, so he got his money in regards to that. So they went over the actual costs and everything. And it came down to the fact that, you know, after the expenses and everything, um, he had about 70, uh, $70 only in expenses out of that 240. So he just made 10 bucks in pure arbitrage. And so he tried doing that a couple more times. It ended up working. It didn't seem like DoorDash it mattered to them. So they were actually paying more money to commence that business. And I, I don't know if that's part of gauging whether or not that's viable or that turns into sales materials to show numbers and interest to the business and then get you into an advertising program. But it seems very deceptive in a lot of ways. And I think that's what's also well, I would imagine. Yeah, I would imagine the more activity that they can show, uh, whether it's an investor or a potential client, uh, you know, it's going to uh, improve their profile. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then they come to you and say, we've given you all this business. There's a lot of business that's out there. Now let's work on these aspects and work on your margins. Um, you know, well, in that's news pretty much how that, that's pretty much how Yelp works, right? I mean, they put you on their site and, you know, they, they monitor who pays attention and then they tell you, you know, we've brought all this business to your site. You know, all these people went to Yelp and to find you. Now we want you to pay for it. And now that we've called you and you've decided not to, we're going to suppress your results and we're going to suppress your reviews. And it's our own proprietary algorithm that is closed right. inside of it. And when you come to our site and utilize it, you agree to our terms of service. It's very similar to how Google does things as well. They've been longstanding having an issue with that. They've had enough money and raised enough money to fight those all the way in Washington, D.C. with lobbyists and everything. Um, that's, that's a tough gig. Um, that's one of the reasons I would never really want to be a restaurateur. I, um, I 
you'd have to look for other ways to, um, you know, try to make your business stand above others by, uh, um, you know, going around the side of all these other businesses that are utilizing these tools. But it's hard not to pay attention to them when other competitors across the street are utilizing them and you're seeing all these things happen. And then lay on top of it, this shit show of the pandemic and all these things happening. So it makes you kind of vulnerable right. to situations like that. What's one common myth? Well, of- I think. Go ahead. I was going to say, I think for us, uh, you know, kind of where we fit into this, I mean, clearly I'm not a typical situation. I mean, we're a catering only business, so we don't operate a storefront. Right. You know, we don't, you know, we do our own deliveries, so we handle our own food. We don't hand it off to anyone. So, you know, we kind of do that. We've certainly been approached by different companies, Grubhub and what have you. Uh, and I'm certainly not going to pay them to interact with a customer that I already have. And again, not blowing my own horn, but more than likely, if it's in the metropolitan Detroit area, we've done business with them at one one time or another. Uh, so I certainly don't want to pay for a relationship that I already have or had at one time. Um, you know, so I think again, with us being a little bit different, um, uh, but again, uh, you know, a lot of the principles hold hold the same. Uh, you know, that, that, that intimate marketing, you know, by building the relationship, uh, that certainly, uh, is, is ultimately more meaningful for us than trying to get into everybody's algorithm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what are your plans now coming out of this? We're hearing now from our governor today, there's a slow opening that's happening that's starting next week. And then next Thursday, we're supposed to hear more. Um, coming at the end of May, what's potentially going to happen or be held back yet as far as businesses, restaurants? I think I'm of the opinion that's still going to be pushed out probably until the end of June at, at probably an earliest of them opening and having some type of interactions in regards to this. Businesses, brick and mortars, um, well, even regular offices like mine, having the ability to open back up again, open up uh, probably a pipeline for you a little bit more and some of your um, previous clients, uh, pre pandemic, just a couple months ago, what are you preparing for and how are you going to be modifying your business to meet these new changes? Well, for us, I think it'll be really simple. Uh, as bad as that sounds with all of this going on. Thank but, you very much. You know, Have a great day. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. We've got it figured out. So. No, but I mean, we, we've all, so, we, we have to make modifications. So that's what I'm really getting to the crux of here sure. is from your for sure. 20 plus year, ten, you know, history and tenure in doing this, where are you seeing and forecasting where you're going to rise above the top? Well, what we will do, first of all, we'll be available. So we're going to show our customers that we are in business, ready to rock and roll and, um, you know, ready to serve them at, at you know, uh, the same or better level than we served them before. Second of all, we'll focus on uh, individually packaged catering as opposed to uh, trying to uh, put things out in bulk. So uh, we'll have individual bowls and salads and, and box lunches and those types of things that can be converted to dinners. Um, and if anyone uh, desires to gather on any type of scale, we'll customize events based on uh, the group and the location and style of food that they want. Um, again, there'll be a lot more server interaction. So we'll make um, changes to what we do already uh, to facilitate uh, the now normal uh, that we're all going through uh, with, you know, uh, trying to make sure that we're uh, taking care of people that, uh, you know, to, to prevent any type of further outbreak, to prevent any type of, uh, 
passing any type of, uh, you know, COVID or anything else from one person to the next. So obviously we'll make those, we'll make those adjustments. Yeah. There's obviously some foresight from business owners like you and anticipating what your client, your clients are going to want and need. You have some established relationships and looking to build some new ones and, and word of mouth and whatnot. But obviously, too, I think we're going to be entering a sector where we're going to have maybe some humanality. There's going to be some humanism. And all of us are in this together. And we're going to probably look to be accommodated in certain ways, but also accommodate with our vendors or our customers in a lot of ways. Would you agree or disagree with that? Well, I would agree. I mean, I think that's something that should be in place already. I mean, I know for for myself, I think one of the hallmarks of what we do is, you know, we'll do anything for our clients. So, you know, to make some changes, uh, on this type of level, yeah, we don't want the circumstances that we've had to go through in order to get here, but you know, it would be very simple even before this for a client to say, you know what, I prefer that you wear a mask when you come into the office to deliver. That would have been very easy to do. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, for us, we already had a, a kind of a system or a protocol that we went through when we would go into an office to make a delivery that the very first thing we do is wash our hands. We take our coat off. Uh, we put a pair of gloves on. And from there, we actually handle the food because uh, part of our service is actually set the food up um, at your location so that typically all of the administrative professional or the person that ordered it, all they would have to do is call their group out so that they could start eating that's something that we do. We're putting hands essentially on the food. We'll unwrap it. We'll open it. We'll put it on chafers, if you like, uh, you know, heating devices, cooling devices, whatever it is. We'll set it up from head to toe and make sure that it's, you know, ready so that all you have to do is join in and enjoy the, enjoy the function. So we had some of those protocols in place already. But mm-hmm. to, to get back to the gist of your question, uh, you know, making those type of adjustments, doing those types of extras, so to speak, um, that should be part of the process anyway. For us, it'll be no problem at all. That's good. That's good. During this shit show, have you pondered around about just throwing it in? And uh, how much, you know, out of all the unknowns that we all have, um, you know, how much anxiety and how much weight has that had on you, keeping you up at night, thinking about, you know, should, should we all get back into this? Should we just do this? Because... It's eating a lot of crow, and maybe not eating a lot of crow because it's a punishment, but there's a lot of new channels. There's going to be a lot of new parameters we're all going to have to fall into, and it's it's a lot for everybody to adjust. There's going to be continued heightened anxiety in a lot of ways and a lot of costs that we didn't have before that we're going to assume just to maintain the new normal. Um, I mean, has that been in your mind about just kind of wrapping it up and saying that's it? Well, it's definitely been on my mind. Um, you know, I think if you're going to start from zero again, which in some regards I would be, uh, you know, the reality is, is the office market in general is going to take a a very huge hit, um, you know, from real estate to, you know, how many people work in the office to, you know, what companies are going to want to spend on catering, let alone if they're going to want catering at all. And these are all the unknowns. So, when you're faced with that, you realize if you're being honest and I'm being honest with myself, I'm essentially starting from zero. I have zero notion that I'm going to walk back in on June 1st or July 1st or August 1st or whenever. I have zero notion that 
our business is going to be there like it was before. I have no notion that it's going to be there anything close to what it was before Sure. Uh, for some time. So uh, my estimations are if people are going to start to loosen up, it'll be in the fourth quarter. It'll be centered around the holidays because by then people will just be fed up and they'll say, listen, we need to live a little bit and we need to, you know, enjoy things. Hopefully by that time we'll have the fall go through. So where if they say there's going to be another outbreak, Hopefully that does not happen and people will be more comfortable after that doesn't happen and so on and so forth. So I think the fourth quarter is going to be pivotal for, you know, not only the restaurant business, but particularly the catering business. Um, That's my opinion. So you'd be going from, uh, you're you're looking to go from zero to hero. (laughs) That would be nice. (laughs) (laughs) I've done it before. (laughs) You do it again. That's for sure. We've all been Uh, pushed on the grass. With this time off, you know, it, it, it makes you, you know, realize a few things. Number one, you know, going back to the restaurant closing, you know, the things that really bother you in the moment are not necessarily always bad for you. So that's something to remember. And that's a big part of this, too. You know, everybody's worried about their place in the sun with this, as it, you know, concerns the coming out of this uh, pandemic. Uh, but the reality is, is, uh, we may come back better, stronger, faster, uh, leaner than ever before uh, in a lot of ways, both personally and professionally. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think some of that stuff uh, takes precedence when you start thinking about chucking it in. Uh, I'd love to start over. Uh, uh, if I'm going to start over, I'd like to kind of do it on my terms. So that definitely plays out in my thought process. Uh, I don't necessarily want to be held necessarily to Detroit or held necessarily to the catering business, but it's certainly what I know the best. And I have a greatest opportunity for early success and quick success through doing what I know. And, you know, I've tried different things over the years, different types of businesses, different types of enterprises. And the reality is you have to go with what you know, and then the other things eventually reveal themselves and they take care of themselves. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, so that's, that's, kind of part of the process for, you know, should I chuck it in? Should I not? You know, I think for me uh, personally, I think write it, write it out a little bit longer and, uh, you know, make preparations in the meantime for what that end game is going to look like. Yeah. So what is going to be, or how is your strategy going to be including online and a relaunch? What are you looking to potentially be doing, um, is that more on the forefront? Do you see investing more into that to help move the catering business along and to still touch base? You talked before when you're delivering daily menus and people really like that. And when you didn't do it, people were on your ass about it. Um, how's that going to play into things in the future? Well, I, I think for us, it's, it's definitely going to be something I need to spend more time on uh, and something I will spend more time on, uh, you know, uh, Financially, I think, you know, for everybody, it's always going to be a consideration as to how you spend your dollars going forward because each one is, as we see, it's it's more precious than ever before. So that's always a concern uh, for anybody that's, you know, working on their program. Um, you know, what I, what I want to accomplish with my online presence is, you know, I want there to be a, uh, a centerpiece of comfort for our clients, you know, if we if if we have a current client and they want to check up on the current state of affairs, I want them to be able to go go to a great site 
that really shows them that, you know, we're serious about what we do and they can trust us. And if they refer someone to us, I want them to be proud to refer us to some place, refer their, uh, you know, their people to some place that has a great site and also gives them that comfort that they're dealing with a professional organization that's going to put their welfare and, and you know, the, the success of their event and any of their needs ahead of anything else. So uh, I certainly want to be that beacon. Uh, I don't need to be the site that reaches everybody that flows through Detroit or everybody that pipes in, you know, the word Detroit or, or what have you. I, I don't need to chase it that hard. Uh, I really, you know, I think if you're... It's going to be supplemental complementary to your core. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, you know, I think if you're doing the right things for the right reasons, you know, I, I think, and, and again, that includes spending more time on your online presence. That's the right thing for the right reasons. If you're doing the right things for the right reasons, um, you know, that business will come. And it will come, you know, uh, the type of business that you that you want, you know, which is, you know, that's important to us also. You know, we've all had customers that we can work with very easily and we enjoy it. And then we've all had customers that, you know, are not a lot of fun. Yeah. And, and my business is no different. And, you know, certainly that's part of it, too. Barry, one of the common myths I hear, or I guess that I've learned, if it's sticking with me right now, I don't, I couldn't tell you where it was at, but that it's, it's very profitable and that it's easy just to make this food and deliver it. So, I mean, you coming from 20 plus years of restaurant and catering, what's one of the most common myths about the profession and, and how do you want to debunk it? Like, give us, give us some insight. <laughs> Well, I wish I knew then what I know now. That's for sure. <laughs> that's but, hindsight uh, for everybody. <laughs> but um, you know, I, I think there's a financial aspect to it. I think people uh, are under the impression that it's a, uh, an amazingly profitable business because certainly there's a lot of affluent people that own restaurants or own you know food service organizations, and you know it, it certainly can pay the bills and it certainly can you know make a life for you. I've certainly made a life out of it. But, you know, there's just a lot of time that's invested, a lot of um, mistakes, a lot of luck. My God, a lot of luck. Uh, I don't care who you are and I don't care what your business is. If you don't think luck is a part of it, you're not being honest with yourself or anyone else. Um, so that's a big part of it. Um, you know, I, I, I think people understand generally that it's not easy, but I also think that they also think, as we all have egos and we all have confidence, you know, uh, uh, they think that they can overcome that and it's harder to overcome for some than others. Yeah. Sure. No so, ego um, amigo. <laughs> so that's a part of it. I mean, for myself, um, I certainly, uh, have confidence in what we do. Uh, I try to keep my ego in check. Uh, you know, I know we have a great product. I know that we uh, serve the best quality to our customers possible, probably more than what they expect uh, with some of the prices that we charge. Um, I don't serve anything to anyone that I wouldn't serve to myself or my family or my very good friends. And, um, you know, I, I think that shines through in the long run. And some people just don't understand that. I mean, we as a group, our, our friends group, so to speak, I mean, we, we go to different restaurants all the time, in normal times, obviously. And, you know, we can tell a different quality almost immediately because uh, we choose those places based on 
the fact that we know we're going to get something really good and it's going to be fresh and it's going to be top quality. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So, you know, I, and I think those things stand out and, and I think people, you know, getting back a little bit more to your question, I think people don't understand the importance of that. They don't understand the importance of the, the systems, the procedures. They don't understand the importance of the, the experience. I mean, I uh, took, uh, and I don't want to get into the long part of this, but I also worked for a time for the P.F. Chang's company. And um, I can tell you that for all I already knew in the business, because I started with them when I was, I want to say, 42 or 43, uh, for all that I knew in the business and for all the time that I already had invested in the business, I learned so much from my experience with P.F. Chang's and Payway, Payway Asian Diner specifically. I learned so much, and, and it was just unbelievable. So, you know, going into a restaurant for the first time as a, a, somebody with no experience, I can't even imagine. And even with the experience that I had going into Payway and P.F. Chang's, it's, I mean, it, even today, it just blows my mind as to how much more I advanced my knowledge and what I could bring to the table for any restaurant organization uh, through my experience there. And I know there's more. And that's a big part of Check Your Ego is you're always learning, you're always growing, you're always, there's always more. There's always something else that you can pick up, another tool that you can put in the toolbox. And, you know, you cannot um, downplay that because uh, it, it just, it, it shows itself every day. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. So we're talking with Barry Winfrey. He is the proprietor of Blue Star Catering here in great old Detroit, Michigan. You can find him on the web at Blue Star Detroit or on Facebook, Blue Star Catering Detroit. Mr. Winfrey, thanks for sharing all of your insight today and some of your tips. And I'm sure I'm going to see you soon. But in the interim, I want to thank you for being a great friend and making some good food, man. And I'm wishing you the best getting through this situation when we open up, when this fire rocket shoots off. (laughs) Well, I appreciate your interest in my business, and I appreciate the kind words and the the, the, the fine candy that you give to my ego every time you talk about it. So that (laughs) that really makes me feel good because I know you have high standards and – I know that uh, you wouldn't say it just to say it. So I do appreciate that. Friendship or no friendship, I know you wouldn't say it just to say it. So uh, I, appreciate I appreciate the reverse that. plug. I do. And I appreciate <laughs> <laughs> and I appreciate what you do and I appreciate that amazing uh, that amazing website that you're gonna build. <laughs> yeah. Someday, someday soon. We'll get you up there and turn you on to all those big catering leads. So again, Barry Winfrey, check them out, Blue Star Catering Detroit and on Facebook. You're going to probably find them on Instagram a lot of different places. But uh, if you do need a caterer for your party, corporate, or anything else that you got going on in the Metro Detroit area, definitely check out his stuff. The grilled vegetables, I'm a huge fan. Barry, have a great holiday weekend, my friend. Thank you very much for joining us. You do the same. Best to you and yours.